business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, small business nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks Podcast. We're here doing it again, another Friday, which means we get to go home and do what we love best, spend time with our family, do fun things outside. I'm going to smoke some ribs this weekend, so that's what I've got going Ooh, on. John, I did that on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, man. Fourth, yeah. You've been, you've been, we found out in the last episode we did that you uh, were apparently a cook. Yeah. You like I, to cook. I spent nine hours cooking on the 4th of July. We we cooked it up. That's a lot I, I don't think I've eaten since Tuesday. I've been so full. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he's fasting. That That's not amazing. true. I had a big old burger yesterday. <laughs> we did have we had we had some great burgers yesterday. We've got a great guest lined up for you guys today. But before I do that, I got to thank our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Wingman. Wingman's mm-hmm. all-in-one marketing and sales automation software helps you streamline your communication, automate your processes, and grow your business. Check them out. Trustyourwingman.com. Let's kick it off with an icebreaker. Let's kick it. Ice, ice. All righty, here goes. Harry, are you ready for it, man? It is. What is your best memory of an impulse buy you made? Or what is the funnest yeah. or the or the most fun or the coolest impulse buy you ever made? Oh my goodness. So are we on? Are we recording, ladies this is, and gentlemen? This is Any, live. Oh my goodness. Uh my best impulse uh I, I was all expecting to go my worst. Uh, we, we but, talked right, about worst that. could be the best yeah all right so my best one all right so this is not quite an impulse buy but it was funny um when we bought a house in virginia my wife and i we were um we we're looking to upgrade our house and we took this ride out to the country and we saw this neighborhood and we went who would ever live this far away from civilization so it wasn't long after that, that I met this guy who was a real estate agent and through my sales. And uh, he says, you ought to check out this community. I'm like, where is it? He told me where it was. I'm like, we would never <laughs> live this far away from, because outside of Washington, D.C., about 40 miles. Well, as we're driving to take a look at a house. And my wife is like, this is crazy. This is too far. All my community, all my friends, blah, blah, blah. We looked at the house and we went, okay, yeah, we're in. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. we took it. It's like we said, unless this thing is perfect, we're walking. It had a, and so it had a creek in the backyard. It was on a golf course community where you couldn't see the golf course. So it was a wooded lot backyard with a creek in it with crawfish. And I was just like, and I saw that creek. I said, this is going to be the perfect spot for our boys because we had a two or three year old and a one year old at the time. And it turned out to be the, like the next best 10 years was just freaking awesome living in that neighborhood. And we were thinking the whole ride, which was like an hour drive to this thing. <laughs> yeah. So to tell you how dumb this was, <laughs> I took a uh, position in Washington, D.C. So my commute was now two and a half hours one way i was driving i was commuting one morning and i slammed on the brakes because i thought there were deer in the road it was a mailbox i was going off the road this is 
this is such a country. <laughs> <Hitting them. Yeah. laughs> I was going to nail mailboxes, ladies and gentlemen, because I, I couldn't see, but it was foggy. It was just, it was crazy, but it was a great life. And anyway, so that was probably the biggest kind of awesome. sort of impulse thing. Yeah, I definitely. Love it. What do you got, Fritching? Man, I think every guitar I've ever bought has kind of been an impulse buy, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Uh, a lot of music gear impulse buys, like, oh, I need that. It's new and shiny. I was but I think, think most yeah. the most fun I've had with impulse buys, I think, would be fireworks. Because you never really uh, plan on buying fireworks, and I don't know if it's just the 4th of July theme I got going on, but fireworks are always an impulse buy, always irresponsible, and always fun. Yeah, because you're just going to burn it. It's literally like yeah, burning you literally, money. I love it. I yeah, love burning money. It's so much fun. Ooh, pretty cool. Bad cigars. <laughs> Oh yeah. oh, yeah, cigars. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun, man. Oh, I'm trying to think of any impulse buy that I've... I, I bought a truck for my brother one time. It was not a good deal. He certainly <laughs> made it out to be a I good say, deal. He sold it was deal, not a good deal. <laughs> and I bought this truck from him. It was a white Chevy 2500. It was a big old truck, which I thought I needed at the time, which I totally did not need. Like I didn't live on a farm or a ranch. Uh, bought this big truck. The impulse buy was not the truck, however. The impulse buy was I was... I don't know how, how probably 20 years old at the time. And it was a white truck. And I did not think that a white truck looked cool. I thought it looked like a pest control company truck. So I took it to Mako and had them fully paint this truck black, which was the worst decision ever because that <laughs> thing flaked so bad. I mean, <laughs> it just was like paint in the wind. It just, yeah. as you Flying drove, everywhere. paint flew off. So I think my impulse buy was that truck and that terrible paint job that, uh, are not sponsors at Mako did for me. <laughs> Such a bad job. Oh, man. Oh, that's good. That's <clears throat> All great. right. I'm going to do a formal introduction here. Harry is an yeah. expert keynote speaker, author, podcast host that passionately believes in the power of servant selling and leadership to drive sales and create positive long-term results. He has a book, you guys. His book, Selling mm -hmm. with Dignity, Your Formula for Life-Changing Sales Results and Podcast Sales Made Easy, Promote This Successful Approach to Sales. Harry, welcome to the show, sir. Great to be here, gentlemen. I so want to talk it. barbecue. Yeah, let's, oh, okay. do, let's do it. Just let's come to it. Texas and we'll eat barbecue. No yeah. talking. Let's just eat. Let's do. I'm in. Uh, so how about like a bit more introduction? I've given you one, but obviously I'm sure you can say a little bit more about yourself than what I've got here on the paper. Can you tell us a little bit about where you come from? Obviously, sure. you're about Virginia and now you're in Florida. I mean, there's, there's a story there. There, there's all kinds of stories, but the, the, the gist of it is I help people who really don't like sales. And I'm willing to bet there's a person or two in your audience of listeners that just mm -hmm. does not like the selling part of business. Yep. So neither did I. And I became, uh, when I got left the mission field, we were spending, uh, living in the Dominican Republic. We left that and because my wife wanted to have children, which I agreed. And then uh, I needed something to support myself. <laughs> and so sales seemed to be a logical thing because I was a fairly good communicator. So I got into sales and I was failing miserably as the uh, former missionary that was now in a sales bullpen, which if you guys ever seen movies like Wolf of Wall Street or Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross, you name it, Boiler Room. That was me, you know, previously a few months earlier, I was riding around in a motorcycle in the DR, not a care in the world. And now here I was shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of young guys, 10 years younger than me, closing Cut, business. Cutthroat. 
cutthroat right. as you and it's like wow this this is not like what i read in the greatest salesman in the world book <laughs> so anyway i built a nice career and now it's all about helping people who do not like selling i can give them some ideas that will help grow their business and it's that's really what i'm passionate about this is going to be a good conversation then so why don't you tell us this first before we get into some of the deep diving what was your first sales job like what were you selling mm -hmm. What was the what was the sales process like? What was the outreach like? Was it all cold? Was it inbound? Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So my first so uh, let's see. So my first sales job when I came back from the DR, I I did a cattle herd interview, which is you go to a hotel, you get into this conference room, you pay money, and they hire you. Mm -hmm. So when I got that job, because I answered a classified ad. It was like, oh, I can make $50,000 a year. I had no knowledge of sales whatsoever. So I just paid the $300, told my wife I got a job, but we're $300 more in debt. And <laughs> that was pure cold calling for health insurance. We would get leads, but if you see the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you look at a stack of leads and say, these leads suck. Yeah. That's kind of what they were. So it was cold calling. But then... I had a conversation with an old friend who I hadn't spoken to in years. We drifted apart. He was selling copiers in Connecticut. And he said, you ought to come over and do what I'm doing. And so well, how much money is there in like copiers? That can't right. be much money. <laughs> well, uh, it was a whole lot more than I was making. And so, yes. So there is uh, a lot of prospecting and I had no current accounts, so it was all prospecting when I started. So it was a net new territory, and mm -hmm. yeah, it was uh, fun. It was the it most was brutally fun, kind fun. Of sales. The most fun, right? Yeah. Doing, Again, doing it's airports. like yeah, it's uh, but it's what you have to do if you really want to get into it. You do that for a little while, you gain some skills, mm -hmm. and then uh, you know you put in your time and effort, and good things happen. So, so you. You've been ahead, in the sales game long enough. You've seen some changes happen there too. With oh, technology. big time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Time. So yeah, we'll yeah. have to dive into that. Sure. So you obviously had this mindset shift, I'd imagine at some point, I don't know where in the journey, where all of a sudden you probably took some of the experience that you had prior to your sales job and you had this, this idea or methodology change where you were going to start doing servant selling. That That's... I'm fascinated. Me and John both were in the ministry in our past life as well. Oh, awesome. Uh, we were both worship leaders, um, musicians. We traveled. We did all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, I'm kind of curious, like, when did you? When did it click for you that, like, there's this different way that you can approach sales? Well, uh, I'd like to say it was well-planned, uh, yeah. but it wasn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, so here I was failing miserably, and I was actually written up. You know, I got that little letter come in the office. We got this little letter for you to sign, which is a nice way of saying, you're really not doing very well here. And we're going to exit. We're going to part ways. And you got 30 days to do it. It, didn't, it wasn't that blunt, but it's pretty close. So things started to click, right? So I was doing this for months. I was learning about the technology. I was making calls, not getting any results. It was a new technology. These were color printers that started at around $20,000. Okay. And so it's mid to late nineties. And if you've seen, gone into a print shop, you see them, but it was new for corporate. So I was calling on these corporations. They're like, no, right. You know, you don't call and say, are you in the market for a $20,000 printer? printer? You have to mm -hmm. uncover needs and 
find out what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. So I was also working with the, the team, the sales team, which I didn't realize again what I was doing, but I was becoming very friendly with everybody. And I was like the old guy in the sales bullpen. I was pretty cool. And, you know, people kind of liked me for whatever reasons, right? As fairly funny and so forth. So I started getting referrals because they couldn't sell what I was selling. So I was getting internal referrals. Things started to click. And as I was getting my first sale, I said, you know, as I was reflecting on all of this, I said, I don't have the business acumen. I don't know really how to close a deal. In fact, the first people that bought from me said, Harry, how do we get this thing? Right. So that was the, they closed me. And then I just said, you know, I, what I can do is I can outserve and I will just provide the best customer service there is. And so that was where my whole servant mindset of selling really was born. I love that, man. That, that is certainly the, the methodology our team takes. Like whenever I, I first brought on my first sales rep, it was like confused why I was just giving out so much value for free. And like, yeah. like why, like, why would you ever do that? And it's like, because I just want to build relationships, mm-hmm. like sales will follow, like sales will come. Exactly. Yes, it's, a, it's a longer sales cycle. Like I realize that sometimes, you know, but once I build a lot of trust and value with the prospect, it is so much, e- it's not cold anymore. Right. Yeah. It's so much easier to create real value. And then they start to trust me instead of me having to go after them and try to say, Hey, I want to show you this new thing. They're coming to me and saying, Hey, do you have a solution for this? You know, and that, that change, I think of mindset can really make a huge impact. What kind of strategies, you know, do you recommend for sales professionals to kind of start making a transition or for new sales reps? How do they take that approach to sales versus kind of like the old way of doing things? Yeah. I mean, it's so common is that people ask for the order way too early. Right. So they're taught that sales is a numbers game and, you know, all the KPIs, you got to have the number of calls, number of meetings, number of proposals, everything is about numbers, but it's really, it's a skills game and it's a people's game, people game. So if you're not listening um, and you're just trying to wait for the person to finish so you can go into your pitch, you're never going to be a consultant. You have to be consultative. And if you're selling anything that's more than a few hundred dollars, I mean, if you're just trying to burn through a ton of people and never care if they speak to you again, that's one different type of sale. But for higher ticket sales, it's got to be consultative. And if someone is not in the market today, doesn't mean they won't be in the market a year from now. So if you go in thinking like that and say, I'm building a relationship here. I'm going to show this person that I'm going to listen. I'll be mm-hmm. going to take notes where appropriate. And then I'm going to send a nice follow-up email explaining everything I learned. And if they're not interested, doesn't matter. I'm still going to do it and stay in touch for the future and mm-hmm. build that trust and then provide value, which is simply today. It's, it's a whole lot easier to provide value. Because you can go on social media, look at all of your prospects and comment on their posts, right? You, you stand out versus the person that doesn't do any of that. So now they're seeing your name, you're showing your interest in that person mm-hmm. and you're building their uh, following, right? Because now their posts are getting more traction and you're adding value to them. And it's like, that's the easiest thing in the world to do it. And a lot of salespeople won't do that because 
uh, they don't see immediate results in that mm -hmm. stuff. And yep. this sales is, it's like, if you're going to be doing something in sales, think that whatever you're selling today, maybe you're not selling two years from now, but you're still going to be selling something. And the people that are buying from you or you're talking to today will buy something else from you mm -hmm. down the road. Whether you yeah. go into real estate, technology, you name it, they can frequently buy from you again. So don't yeah. cut yourself short on that is my suggestion. There's nothing worse than being on a sales call with like being on the receiving end of a sales call. And you can tell as you're talking, they're just waiting. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. like just like, you're not listening to me. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're just like nodding your head and uh, uh, like agreeing with everything I have to say just so that you can get to your pitch. It's like, right. dude, like don't, you don't have to necessarily pitch on your first call. Like it's mm -hmm. the importance of discovery calls and it's the importance of like that more consultive, you know, kind of approach. Like I, I just was on a call recently where that's all the call was. It was just like, mm -hmm, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then boom, I was just like, oh, you're a shark. Like, yeah, let me tell you about me. This yeah. Is gross. Right? Like, I don't, they, yeah. Let me tell that's you what cool. I do. Yeah. I'm going to let you finish, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm a pretty, um, what's the word? Non uh, combative slash like, I don't like yeah. I don't like, like no that pressure. whole like, you know, like I'm just low pressure and I, I am usually pretty, uh, I, I can take, like I can be on the receiving end of a really crappy sales pitch. And I usually I'm just like, whatever, like you guys suck, whatever. But mm -hmm. there was a few, few years ago, I was in a car dealership and this guy just for whatever reason, his like greasy attitude and like snobby approach to sales just like set me off. And that is not who I am. Like I am not quick to anger. I'm mm -hmm. usually just pretty dismissive. I'll walk out. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was having a bad day or what, but I just flipped a switch. And I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, you have no idea what you're doing. And I just like gave it to him. <laughs> I was like, I felt really bad. <laughs> felt really bad later. But I was just like, I was like, you think you're going to be successful selling like that. You have no idea and you don't belong in this industry. And I just like told everybody in the wow. dealership was like, look, like I could tell like eyes were on us. Ooh. And I was like, I'm getting warm. I should probably walk out of here before, <laughs> yeah. before they call the cops or something. Right. But it was just like, I think I finally had it where it was just like, yep. dude, like I already know about 90% of what I need to know before I ever talk to a sales rep mm -hmm. because the modern sales process is completely different, right? Like mm -hmm. back in the day, I needed a salesperson to tell me things and to educate me and to inform exactly. me. I'm informed. I'm an informed buyer, right? When mm -hmm. I come to you, I want to know that you actually know what the hell you're talking about. Can I trust what you have to say? Because whenever I ask a question and you clearly don't know what you're talking about, I immediately, it, it just dismantles credibility. Yeah. Like I'm going to immediately going to say. I start to look for an expert at that point, you know what Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. yeah. Like I oh want you to know goodness. more than me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> such great points. I mean, guys, we could talk all afternoon. Yeah. I, I was on a podcast <laughs> um, the other day and, you know, I don't like being put in a position where someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer, right? Mm -hmm. None of us do. No, nobody wants that. Yeah. Right. And you just got to be honest and just say, I don't have that answer. And so many people try to do the exact opposite, which loses the credibility and they BS their answer and make an educated guess. And mm -hmm. they just don't want to look stupid. So here mm -hmm. I was on someone else's podcast and it was about e-commerce and they asked me about how to put out the uh, pictures on e-commerce. And I'm like, uh, guys, I'm not an expert on this at all. 
right? And mm -hmm. I just felt like I needed to say that. Yeah. But if I just bluffed, I yeah. mean, any listener, I mean, any potential listener could have said this Harry Spate is full of it because mm -hmm. uh, he's bluffing. And I didn't. So I just felt better by saying, I don't know. And they yeah. said, well, what would you think? And I gave, you know, an educated guess, which works, right? But I mean, sure, it's right. it's different. When you say that you don't know, your cred goes up, mm -hmm. not yep. down. Yep. Right? And especially when you say something like, I don't have that answer for you, but this is what I'll do. Mm -hmm. After I leave here, I'll get with my team and I'll get back to you by close of business today. How does that sound? And now you have two things going for you. You have the fact that you're humble mm -hmm. and people like humility, and you have the chance to prove that you keep your word. Yeah. Now, if you don't get back by close of business and it goes through the next day and say you don't get an answer, you have to still respond by close of business and say, Andrew, I'm still working on the answer. I've, mm -hmm. It's been promised to me. They'll get back to me. I should have it by noon tomorrow. Will that work? Typically, you're going to say that's fine. But if I just disregard that and get back to you by noon the following day and you say, and I say, I'm sorry, I'm late, but I got the answer finally, what happens to my credibility? Yep. Yeah. Cause you didn't, you didn't even stick to your word, right? right. Like, exactly. If you show, if you show that early on in a deal or in a, whatever you want to call it, it's going to, again, it's going to dismantle credibility. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to know that I can trust you further down the line. It's like, are, is anything you're saying going to be true at that point? Like, exactly. I'm just like, ah, I just, I'm not going to even listen to you anymore. I mean, yeah. that was interestingly enough that happened to me just yesterday, the day before yesterday, Wednesday, I had this really amazing sales meeting. It went great. And I was like, Hey, I promise I'll get out a proposal to you by tomorrow. Well, t yesterday ended up being insane. I was busy all day long. Mm -hmm. And so last night at 1130 at night, which I normally wouldn't do, I went ahead and sent the proposal over. And I said in the email, I was like, I, my, my sincere apologies for getting this to you so late, but I promised you a proposal, a proposal today. I realize it's almost midnight. It doesn't matter, yeah. but it was really important to me that I got this out for you. If you have any questions, mm -hmm. I'd be happy to jump on a call, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And for me, that was really important. Like I did not want to go to bed last night without like mm -hmm. meeting my you know, the expectation I set, you know, yeah, I get but it. Yeah. People don't do that though. People mm -hmm. just say, Oh, it'll be okay. They, they can wait an extra day that, you know, right. No, they're going to just it's, go somewhere else. Well, exactly. And if you let them tell you, don't worry about it, that's different. Ooh, yeah. yeah. But if you don't worry about it, then that's really, you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. hundred yep. percent. Right. Yeah. It's just, Good yeah, stuff. you gotta, you gotta do what you you say you're going to do. You definitely do that. I think that stays true no matter where sales is at. And we've seen a lot of changes and with the rise of digital technologies, we've seen a lot more remote selling. How have you, or has that caused you to adapt your coaching to support your approach with? Yeah. The, big time. Know? Yeah. I mean, so there's so much to go on with that, but it's like making a connection here. Uh, we can start with the very basics, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that do not have good lighting. So you can't see their eyes and they just mm. don't care. They'll show up with the sun's behind them. And they've got the halo thing right. going on. Face is dark. You cannot connect with a person like that. No. So in the virtual world, you have to look at ways as like, well, how am I going to connect? Because in face to face, Everything is about, I mean, I forgot how much percentage of the communication is, 
but it's ridiculous. Right. The way we communicate with people, it's like, I, I don't remember the exact number, but it's around 10% is voice. The rest of it is our body, mm -hmm. right? Our face, our eyes, our movements and so forth. So if we're hiding all of that, then, um, you know, that's not good. So that's just one example. But then the other thing I'd say for people is you've got to review proposals. I had uh, a, a lady I was working with um, and I just asked what her workflow was. And she said, my workflow is I will send the proposal on a Zoom meeting when the person is in the meeting. I'll say I'm sending it now so that they have to review it with her. And there's no sending without a review and then proposals, proposals getting lost. So those are just a couple of things that are different that you can make the best of the remote thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the remote Thoughts? thing is so tough. It's, it's tough, right? Yeah. Like, sorry, my phone rang, by the way. Um, I don't know if y'all heard that or not, but over here it was so loud. Um, <laughs> I was like, no. Um, it's real. It's Why? <laughs> Uh, you know, for me, the remote thing is hard. I mean, it's it's things like that, like distractions you can't yeah. control. The the dog like deciding that because a bird hit the back window, it's just gonna lose its, it's gonna mind lose it right now. Yeah, it's like so frustrating. And then things like that where my like I turned on do not disturb, but somehow it didn't work. You know, it's like <laughs> and it, like I think the reality though is like you've got to just like own it, like own it, admit to it, yeah. be real. Like I think people would yeah. rather have like that authenticity and personality mm -hmm. versus like trying to like skirt around it like there's that great viral video from a few years ago where that like i don't remember who it was like that political leader had his kid walk into the room and he like oh yelled, that was great yelled at the nanny yeah. and the nanny like drug the kid out and it was like <laughs> i mean how much more personal would it have been if you have just like scooped the kid up and put him on his lap and just been like hey this is my this is my daughter or whatever it yeah. would have felt so much more authentic and people would have related they would have been like oh yeah i get it like that's right. happening to me was too it so it's like People yeah. don't just like embrace the fact that like we're human and like I think people buy from people, yeah. not businesses. So like you mm -hmm. have to bring that back to life. Even just now, like when you said the whole like see your eyes thing, I was like, I better scoop my hat back. But but you're right. I mean, I, I can't stand that. I just had a conversation a few days ago. And this lady specifically talked about how she serves a lot of female entrepreneurs. And she says mm -hmm. that women really struggle to make eye contact which automatically, again, mm. breaks down credibility. People start to not think that you are confident in yourself. You don't trust, like you're not trustworthy. Mm. Whereas men, like we are good at BSing, like we are really good yeah. at faking confidence. And so we had this whole conversation about how she's trying to help women with that, build more confidence, make more eye contact. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we even realize like how important that translates in these right. virtual sales settings where it's like, are you even looking at the person? Do you have your webcam down here and you're looking up there? It's like, right. okay, like I'm really intentional about like, right, even right now, like I made sure that on my screen, your face is like as close to the camera on, on my computer as possible so that I can feel like I'm talking to you and making eye contact to you. So that, that's so important. There was a, there was a statistic, there was a statistic you shared in a blog post. Um, I'm going to try to find it here. Uh, that you shared 76% of buyers are ready to have a social media conversation with potential providers. And I wanted to ask you because social media is like another one of these mediums that like, I think mm -hmm. we're always trying to figure out how to sell there and how to like get the most out of it. How would you say you can leverage social media to get more sales? Yeah, a number of ways. I mean, it's a great opportunity to show you're a human. And I've worked with 
companies where they'll put out company posts with their product, product related posts. They get almost zero traction. They still do it, they do it all the time. And the reps are missing out the opportunity. So an example is there's a influencer in the community and the influencer owns a huge business. Okay. Why wouldn't you be commenting on that influencer's posts? Because now what's going to happen is that you're providing value for that person. That person sees you, they see what you do, right? Whatever your business is, they see that and they see that you're now you're supporting them. So when you call and you ask for an appointment, your name has already surfaced. Hmm. instead of being the person that says, I don't do social media very well, or I think it's a waste of time, you're missing out on an opportunity to be known. So hmm. why not get known instead of having a viewpoint of, you know, I'll do whatever, right? Old school thinking, you can be known by thousands of people hmm. and everybody can look at to you as the guy or the gal that does this versus being unknown that I don't get. Yeah. This right? actually, just, it makes no sense. <laughs> this happened to me just the other day and it actually was not good because I realized that I, I maybe have positioned myself as an expert in an area that I didn't want to be known as an expert. So <laughs> okay. as you can barbecue? see by my, yeah, right. Yeah. Now I'm a barbecue expert. Uh, this Apple t-shirt in the back, I used to be a sales trainer for Apple. I would travel into the grand openings and I would work with their sales teams to help them be baller salesmen. Mm -hmm. And, um, recently somebody had posted in one of these like, you know, neighborhood Facebook groups. Hey, I, I'm stuck trying to figure out this thing on my Mac. And I was like, Oh yeah, like this is what you do. Like, obviously I've been using Apple for the last decade or longer. I felt yeah. really comfortable answering that. Well, this, this little lady, this little old lady, she messaged me on Facebook the other day and said, Hey, I saw you posted on someone's uh, uh, post about knowing Apple computers. Do you make house calls? And I'm like, now I feel really bad because <laughs> yeah. I can't help this little old lady with her computer because I have no interest in being a repair technician for <laughs> Apple. But it, but it was like, but that goes to show the value that it had, right? Like mm -hmm. me just showing up and being contributing in a Facebook group and a Facebook post yeah. all of a sudden positioned me as an expert in that arena, right? Which is so weird. So it's like, okay, I did that. It worked. Where should I be spending my time and attention creating content and posting and contributing in ways that could actually follow, like come back to actually help me and help the business. I tell our social media clients all the time, no one knows beefy marketing, right? Like beefy mm. marketing is this company. Cool. That's great. Fun name. It's a household name, isn't it's it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apple, beefy oh, marketing, Chick-fil-A, you know, the top three. Beefy. Um, so, you know, the thing is people know the people that work at these companies. They know John. They know me. They know Kara. They know Robin. They know Desiree. That's the, the people they know. They have their own circles of influence. Mm -hmm. If I'm creating social media content for your business, you should be having all of your sales teams share that content. Because that positions them as the thought leaders. That positions them as the experts. It mm -hmm. like again, just the other day, I love social media because of this. Just the other day, I, I had posted a post about uh, a tool that we have, mm -hmm. and nobody liked it. I was like, "This is sad." Like, no one liked it. Maybe one or two. I don't know. Whatever. I, I did because mm -hmm. it had no like, likes. Maybe my mom, liked. my mom yeah. and John. Yeah, we both probably liked it, liked it right? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but I got this text message from a, a friend of mine that I've known for a long time, and she said, "Hey." I saw that you recently posted about that tool. Would you be open to doing a demo and showing me kind of what it looks like? And I was like, absolutely. 
And I got on the phone with her. And I said, hey, how did, how did you find out about it? She's like, oh, some of your social media posts. She had never liked the dang thing. She had never mm-hmm. commented on mm. it. So it just goes to show you, you can't always trust the analytics right. because that presence, that awareness, those impressions mm-hmm. actually generated an ROI, right? So you, yeah. you have to be there, like whether you like it or not, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. What's your thought, John? Well, you're kind of getting in there to the difference, Andrew, of social media selling versus social media marketing. And that's kind of something I wanted to ask Harry about. So can you talk mm. a little bit about the difference between social selling versus social media marketing? Well, you know what? That's a great question. I'm not sure I have the answer on it because <laughs> I I will go with um, Alex Hormozzi and Gary V. I gotcha. So I view it as just providing value. And now Gary V does the jab, jab, jab hook, right? So right. four yeah. out of five, he's saying uh, provide value. And then on the fifth one, have a call to action. Right. Alex Hermosi, pretty, I saw some thing uh, recently where he says, I'm just going to provide value. Mm-hmm. And if you want to build community, you provide the value. As soon as you start making the calls to action, and I agree 100% with Alex Hermosi, I think he's a little smarter than me. He said that people will start to see you as the sales guy. Mm. And so you have to be very cautious. Do you want to be viewed as a sales? When, you, when you're viewed as the salesperson too early, then people are going to get turned off by that. Right. So this sort of like, and I'll try not to change topics here, but it's sort of like asking for business before the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Is what we talked about before. There's no connection. There's no they know other people that do the same thing. Don't ask yet. Build some trust. So on social media, if you're building a community and you're just providing a ton of value, then eventually you can make the ask. But if you mm-hmm. make the ask too early, then people say, well, who are you? You're Harry Spade. I don't even know who you are. And so they get turned off by that. But now after Sometime they see all the posts and videos and say, this guy's providing value. I see who he is. I know his personality. I kind of possibly like the guy and it's easier to do business with me. So that's how I view both. Now, I don't really say I'm having a sale. I used to think mm-hmm. social selling was hold up your product, take a picture of it. It's got yeah. 90% off this week only. You know, I'm that's kidding, right. But- yeah. I think that's the way some people view it. And I just, right. so I'm open for being educated by you guys on this one. So forgive, forgive my language, but there's this guy I follow. His name's, I think Mike Wayne or Michael Wayne. Um, kind of a funny dude. Like he, he does not seem very professional. I'll be very like forward about that, but he's got this whole course that he created called shit selling for profit or shit posting for profit. And the <laughs> idea of, of this is creating like just abstract dumb social media content mm-hmm. to to really just drive like community and conversation and engagement mm-hmm. with the idea that people are going to kind of come into your circle and then also look at the expert content and expert value you bring. So this guy he will post the stupidest memes, the stupidest mm-hmm. like like thought-provoking questions, but it gets so much engagement and I'm just like, dude, this guy's killing it creating just crap content. Like it's it's not like mm this rigid structured, like three times a week, I'm going to talk about my software and educational. It's like some of it's just like funny stuff, like mm-hmm. at, like completely off the wall of what you would think would be like on brand for his company, but it works. Like he's killing, it. he's doing an amazing job. And I just thought that that was yeah. like a cool approach to social media marketing 
versus mm-hmm. social selling again, where even just what the few words that you had to say about it, like really just made me immediately go, Oh, I should be, should be doing more of that kind of content on social media. We always talk about like deposits and withdrawals, like mm-hmm. 80% yep. of your content should be deposits. 20% yeah. should be withdrawals. Like the idea is if all you ever do is withdraw, your bank account's going to go overdraft. No one's going to, mm-hmm. no one's going to be able to support you. Well, nonprofits are the worst at this. Mm-hmm. Please donate. Please give. Please give. Please. Yeah. Right. Like th- they struggle with it a lot. They don't know how yeah. to offer value outside of asking for the donors and asking for the corporate sponsors. And, you know, like that's a big challenge, for, I think, for a lot of nonprofits. Yeah, it is. Um, so, you know, for me, I think there's a big opportunity for nonprofits and businesses both alike to really focus in more on, you know, creating value content. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, yep. All right. So I'm not sure if I'm disappearing or something, if there's bandwidth issues, but I had a little thing show up, but yeah, I think it's all being, it's all leading with product. And if your product is asking for money or your product is I sell widgets, if that's all you're about, then people pick up on that. Nonprofits Mm -hmm. have a huge opportunity of finding businesses and supporting them on social media and again, helping them promote their posts and having conversations inside of those businesses. So if you're calling on some CEO or somebody in a larger corporation, find out what their company does on social media and support it. So now your conversation can be about you also, hey, I saw that post or I saw what you're doing in the community other than us and provide some value for that. Here's something that you might try, or here's an article I found or something. Um, I don't know. What's your thought on that? Yeah, no, I I think you're spot on. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that that's, I don't think nonprofits always know how to leverage their existing audience. Mm -hmm. One of the things I feel like a lot of nonprofits have an advantage of that I don't think they even realize is a lot of them attract influencers, celebrities, you know, people that have like this philanthropy arm. Imagine if nonprofit owners realized the power of those connections and they leveraged those connections in future sponsorships, corporate partnerships, things like that, where they said, hey, Coca-Cola, I'm just going to use Coca-Cola as an example. We have this other influencer that's been supporting us for a very long time. They're incredible. I would love it if I could just link you guys up. I think that they could offer Mm -hmm. a lot of value to what Coca-Cola is doing. I think it would help with with y'all's brand efforts. And what happens there? Like I I just added value. I brought mm-hmm. in this connection I have with this celebrity to your brand who could make a great relationship. And then later on, when I come back and I ask you about like, hey, we've got this event coming up, I've already built trust with you. Like I've got mm-hmm. like this brand equity, if you want you want to call it that, right? Like I've kind of, the piggy bank is stocked up. And so I think for me, like that's the big thing. Like nonprofits have to just get outside of their like comfort zone and outside of the yeah. box thinking. And this applies to business owners too, right? It's the same thing. Like imagine if I called a prospect today and instead of saying, Hey, like I sell websites. Instead, I said, Hey, man, uh, I have this client. He's looking for a roofer. Um, <laughs> you know, is that something that can I, can I make an introduction? Like, who would be the best person to introduce that person to? Mm-hmm. And then that becomes business. Well, next time I call that dude up, that dude's answering my phone calls. Yeah. Right. Cause I got him business. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, what else does this, exactly. guy, this guy have to yeah. say? Right. So that's it. Like, spend time providing value any way possible. That's, that's yeah. my biggest, you know, advice. Mm-hmm. It's great advice. Um, so this is the beauty of networking and having a business conversation. 
So you can go into a, have a business conversation with one of your clients and ask what's going on in your world for business these days, or what kind of challenges are you facing or what's top of mind for you or whatever the question is. And then you can say, I've got somebody that I need to connect you with that may mm -hmm. be a value for you in this. But if yep. you don't have those conversations, your entire network means nothing unless you have yeah, a conversation yeah. that you can bring some value, like you said. So it's great yeah. stuff. I what, may what is, uh, plagiarize that. Uh, take yeah. it. Take it. I just had a thought about networking, too. A lot of times okay. you think about the connections that we're making, but that's not really a network. That's just kind of your connections. The network is when this guy meets this guy that you know, and now you're building a network. Until then, it's kind of just you in every direction until you start to connect those. And now it's a network. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a good, exactly. that's definitely a good way to look at it, man. You've got your circle of influence, but when your circle mm -hmm. of influence starts to reach out beyond you yeah. and those people start to connect and talk and it circles back around and follows back up, you're like, whoa, wait a second. Like yeah. that grew legs. Like yeah. that has a l larger reach than I could have ever imagined yep. by myself. I have a question yeah, for you great. here. Harry, what sure. are some, what are some effective strategies? that you help sales professionals build, implement, so that they can build stronger relationships with clients? Because this is not, again, you're not teaching like traditional sales methodologies, right? You're teaching ways to build value. So what are, what are some advice and tips you have for these guys? Yeah, I'd say that uh, I really hit the nail on it for a lot of people is on listening. It's just mm -hmm. the, the whole thing about emotional. And when I say listening, you tie that in with emotional intelligence. So, the challenge, like we talked about this earlier, as we touched on it, is that most people who are listening are listening to respond. So a classic example is uh, I was speaking to a law firm in the recent past, and they all thought they're great listeners because they can all take notes. They can all recite exactly what their prospect just told them, right? What their client just told them but they do that without any emotion. So where emotional intelligence comes in is actually showing fellow feeling so that that's where empathy, that's what empathy is, is that you're feeling for the other person. You're not you listening, but you're you as them listening, which is a whole different perspective. So when you can relate to the person as the way they think you should relate to them based on their experiences. Then you can say things like that must be terrible, or I can't imagine, or what that must've been going through your mind. Tell me what was going on. What were you thinking? And when you get that engaged in what the person's telling you, then you now become this, real super listener for them, someone that can relate to them, someone that cares about them, then your sales, you don't need as many opportunities as you do when you're just piling through the numbers game and you're saying, well, I did everything I was supposed to do. These are the notes. I showed zero emotion. I went mm -hmm. into my pitch. They weren't interested. And that's where the disconnect is. So yeah. it, with the attorneys, we just start, started asking about, you know, what's, how can we relate to people that tell us 
that mm-hmm. they fell down a flight of stairs and now they want to sue somebody versus, okay, I got you. It was 17 steps. You fell, you broke your ankle. Uh, what else? Right. Parroting the answers back is not mm-hmm. using emotional intelligence. So that deeper listening is key, right, to the mm-hmm. connection. And once you have this, right, it's like, you know, some people, they want to go through, again, technique is great, but if you miss the human connection, you can have the best technique in the world and people walk away and say, yeah, I don't like that guy. Yep. Versus someone that really listens and connects and say, mm-hmm. that person cares. And now you go yep. into all of these great comments or quotes out there that will say people will remember, they don't remember what you say, they remember how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. That's really to my to me is the key to selling. And you know, you got to know your stuff and all, but yeah, that alone can really impact your career into a different level. Yeah. And Thoughts? Is that do you think that's something that's taught or learned? Or do you think that that's like inherently who you are? Oh, no, it's definitely you can learn this. I mean, no, I was not a good listener mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> my wife will tell you. <laughs> I can tell you stories about how bad of a listener I was, but I developed it, right? It's like when I read um, uh, uh, the great, the friends book, uh, oh my goodness, Dale Carnegie, uh, oh, how to sure. grow yeah. friends, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, how to make friends and influence people. Yeah, how to win friends and influence how people. How to win, yeah, that's yeah thank you. Uh, but when I read that and he just sat and listened to this lady describe her trip, and she says, oh, you're such a great conversationalist. That's, that's where the light bulb went on for me. It's like become a great listener. Then you connect with people. Then when given the opportunity, now that they see the connection, you can now pervert, you know, do some damage. Right. <laughs> Good well, damage. you end up with the, the opinion that I like that guy instead of I don't like that guy. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I would sales, take it as. Yeah. I would take it a step further. No, you got further, my bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. I'll take it one step further just to say, um, I don't like that guy. And then you would ask the why. Why don't you like this salesman? And they probably, I don't really know. I just, I don't like them. There, yeah. there won't be one thing they could pinpoint that they didn't like, but your approach could have changed that pinpoint, you know? And so now instead of, I don't like that guy, I mean, I love that guy, you know? Yeah. It's a whole different yeah. Yeah, it's a different platform that you're standing on to make that sale. Yeah, exactly. So so there's a lot of sales people that are great with processes and so forth. It's like this is the number of calls you need to make and so forth. I'm okay at that, but that's not really where my passion is. Mm-hmm. My passion is when you're in front of people, what are you doing to build the trust and relationship so that person wants to buy from you? And even like uh, a simple thing is people will say, well, they're going to throw objections at you. So this is what you say when they throw objections at you. And I used to be really good at that. And then I realized I'm winning arguments. Winning (laughs) arguments is not building relationships. So instead of winning arguments, I felt like I need to get my chair on their side of the table. And when you can do that, instead of winning arguments, you now look at objections as concerns and you help people through the concerns versus overcoming objections. And it's a different thought process that goes on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean... Does that answer the for, thoughts or question Yeah, there? I mean, absolutely, Harry, because I think for me, like, it's something that I've gotten better at. And it's, I would say inherently I've been pretty good at it because I do have, like, a tr- true passion for people. I care about people. Um, but I think it is sometimes, like, you have, like, especially whenever you're on a time crunch, like, hey, we got 30 minutes, we have an hour. You're trying your best to, like, hear them out, but also, like, accomplish the mission. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like we feel this more whenever things are, like when you're struggling, when sales are low, things like that. Cause you're kind of just like, we've got to get this. Like we we're, we've got to make it happen. But it's like, you can't like have that mindset. Like, I feel like you still have to just say, you know what? Like I want this business really bad, but like, mm-hmm. I still need to like put that emotion aside and focus on like truly having that empathy nature and focusing on them. Cause I do, I'll have sometimes a call where I'm like, man, like I nailed it because I really, really put myself in their position in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And like, they felt that I felt that. And there's other times where I'm like, yeah, I just, like, I was like, I wasn't actively listening. You know, like they tell kids all the time, like, are you listening to me? Are you hearing me? You know, like that whole my, like thing. Like I sometimes feel like, yeah, I did that, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I heard what you said, but did I actually like hear what you said? Right. Um, and I think it's really important. Like we have got to spend time as salespeople, as, as CEOs, as business owners, this kind of thing, really understand it. Like imagine for a second, if we spent as much time caring about our prospects and our customers, as much as we care about our own success, Mm. right? Like you're going to create much stickier relationships and much longer term relationships and clients. If you spend the time upfront investing in who they are and what their goals are and what their pain points are and their family and solving for that. If you can do that, you're going to have customers for life. Like Mm -hmm. bottom line, you're, you're going to, you're going to have long-term relationships. And that's something that I think that you're right. I think it can be taught. There's something we always used to joke about at Apple. There was people that we called learners and learned learners Mm -hmm. are people who are uh, adaptive. They're willing to, to change and pivot and embrace new things and new ideologies and methodologies. And there's learned people who think they know everything. People Mm -hmm. said, well, I've been doing it this way for 10 years. It's the, it's the way it's, you do it. It's like, you've got to have a mindset change. You have to say, you know what? I've been doing for 10 years and something's not working because if everything's working, mm. I probably wouldn't still be in the sales role. I'd probably, mm. you know, in Tahiti, you know, sipping on a Mai Tai <laughs> or something, right? Like things would be really good. Things would be awesome. So I think for me, there's just so much, I, again, I feel like this conversation could go in so many different directions, which oh, is yeah. why I love podcasting in general is like, it just happens. It's organic. It's fun. <laughs> and um, I mean, if I take this kind of conversation though, Harry, and I say, this is what every sales call should look like. It should just be authentic. It should be relational. Mm-hmm. It should be me getting to know you. It's it's honestly why we originally started the podcast. I said, hey, I don't want to sell to people. I just want to have converse, like conversations with people, get to know people. And we've kind of coined it like internally, not this show, but we have another show that we kind of coin our podcast prospecting podcast where we basically bring guests on. We feature them, tell their stories, get to know them. But then we build these deep relationships for later on. It's like, hey, you said something on the show that was make, made me think about Beautiful. this thing that I think we can solve for you, right? And like, that's the beauty of podcasting. Me and John always kind of mm-hmm. high five at the end of an ep- episode. We're like, oh, yeah. dude, we just learned stuff for yeah. free. Like, how cool <laughs> is that? Like, this is awesome. This is the best yeah. podcast in the world. Uh, but it's things like that. Like, I want to do the same. I want to provide the same value to the guests as the guests are going to provide to me. Like, I hope my mm-hmm. guests walk away and they're like, damn, that was like a good conversation. Like that was a lot of fun because again, that's going to go so much further than, wow, that guy asked me the same eight questions. Every other podcaster asks me, mm-hmm. he doesn't care. He doesn't, he's not <laughs> yeah. focused or paying attention. He's rigid. He doesn't listen to the last thing I had to say to be able to adapt to the conversation. Like people can feel that people yeah. can feel 
inauthenticity. They can feel when you're faking it. Like it's just not, it's gross. Like that's the bottom line. It's coming up at 12 o'clock on a Friday, which means we're all looking to get out of here. That's but right. Harry, I've got to do this because I always wrap up every episode by asking our guests to leave us with a business growth hack. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm going to run some sound effects just because it makes it more fun. And that mm-hmm. gives you an opportunity to think about what it is that you're going to leave our listeners with that they can implement today in their businesses and sales to kill it. Okay. All right, Harry, it's up to you, man. What's the hack for us today? The pressure is on. I brought this up earlier. I'm going to stick with it is do not email proposals without reviewing the proposal in Mm -hmm. hand or on someone's screen, right? You're sharing your screen too many proposals get lost. People go dark. Once they have your proposal, they have what they need and it's so hard to get them afterwards. So all of you who are doing proposals out there, share the screen, send the email, have the person open up. You can say something along the lines. I want to make sure you can open the file. And I just want to spend a couple of minutes reviewing with it so that there are no questions and everything is clear as glass for you. Mm-hmm. And so otherwise people get proposals, they skip through all the good stuff, go right to the price and they say, ah, there's this uh, price. I'm going to see if I can get it. I can get it somewhere else for less without <laughs> knowing any differences and so yeah. forth. So do a good job. That's selling. Say it's your workflow. It's your process. Review the proposals on the mm-hmm. spot. And that way the mystery of where what happened to the person uh, after you emailed it will go away. Mm, I love that advice because I've sent two proposals in the last month that I just feel like I got ghosted on. So I'm, yeah, I'm taking that advice. Oh, yeah. I'm implementing yeah. it today. The next proposal I send out, I'm going to schedule a call to go over the proposal. That way I can answer any questions, overcome any objections, yeah. continue that relationship building. I love that advice. Hey, guys, listen to his podcast. If you liked this episode, That's Harry's right. got a podcast. It is called Sales Made Easy. I'm sure it's on every platform, everywhere on the planet. You yep. can watch it, listen to it, do that kind of stuff. So go check that out. He's also got in a book, and the book is titled Selling with Dignity, Your Formula for Life-Changing Sales Results. You guys have got to check that out as well. Uh, I'm guessing Amazon. It's, is it on Amazon, Harry? Yeah, but you go to sellingwithdignity.com and just hit okay, the perfect. book section and download a few chapters for free. Oh, oh that's, nice. that's what's up. Hey, how can people support you, find you, follow you, uh, all that fun stuff? Yeah, if they would like to have a sales conversation and just find out if there's ways to improve, I, I have a no obligation, free call. It is harrychat.com. So it will pull up my Calendly and feel free. Um, we'll have a sales conversation, figure out if we can help you out. And I promise you that I will solve one problem with you. Hey, that is quite the guarantee. That is awesome. Hey, we'll make sure we put all of the links in the bio so that you guys can check it out down in the show notes. If you like today's episode, if you like what Harry had to say, please share this episode with a friend. I know you know somebody that sucks at sales and they're just not doing it right. If you've had a bad experience with an auto salesman, send this to them. They can improve. They can listen to my little rant on how I almost went off on a guy in the dealership. And, uh, you know, good, good stuff in this episode for oh, yeah. you to listen to. Uh, a thank you again to our podcast sponsor, Wingman. They are the all-in-one marketing and sales automation software to help you grow your business. You can check them out at trustyourwingman.com. Until next time, we will see you guys next week. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.